Welcome to We Are Already Free, a podcast inspiring down-to-earth seekers to live their truth and be the change, rather than spending too much time fighting against what they don't want. If you're not sure how to start on your journey of inner healing, or you need some support in getting back on your path, or even if you're deep in your medicine work and just want to resonate with some good vibes, then I think you'll love this episode. Kash Khan is a sacred men's circle leader, conscious community builder, plant spirit student, and founder of Educate Inspire Change, which had around 3 million followers on Facebook before it was cancelled. In this episode, Kash shares his insights on why all you need to do to heal is show up and surrender, why teenagers rebel and why conforming isn't the best option, how some of our greatest teachers are the people who cause us the most pain. He talks about what faith is and why focusing on and prioritizing your own inner healing is the most selfless act of all, and honestly, so, so much more. Near the end of our chat, Kash shares a beautiful truth about how true freedom is felt in the heart and can never be taken away from you. A great reminder in these times of external totalitarianism and mass psychosis. I'm your host, Nathan Maingard. After nearly losing my life trying to fit the dis-ease our society just calls being a good citizen, I dedicated my life to living with authenticity, joy, and wonder, and helping others like me to remember that we are already free. If this podcast serves you, please take a moment to leave a review so others can find this simple reminder and realize that they are not alone. This is not information which will be shared via mainstream channels, so let's amplify this beautiful vibration and bring it to the world. Please enjoy this uplifting conversation with the beautiful Kash Khan. Welcome, Kash Khan. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for joining. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Just before we started recording, you were saying you've just come off a mushroom ceremony last night so you haven't had much sleep and like first of all thank you for still being up for this conversation and and like what's what's alive for you right now after that experience mm. beautiful question yeah so um i guess what's alive for me is in the last like year or so i've been working a lot in plant medicine spaces but i've been in service like working in ceremonies holding space in ceremonies and so last night was a small gathering with just like really close soul family, friends, brothers and sisters. And it was a great opportunity for me just to receive, you know, just to like let go and express and not worry about holding space because everybody that was there was in their own right. They're already deep on the path. So it was just a beautiful learning for me around um, the difference in holding space and the difference in receiving, you know. And last night was a beautiful night of receiving, you know, just stepping into my power and letting the medicine work through me. So I guess at the moment, um, with the Lionsgate last night, um, there's like a portal opening. So last night was all about manifestation and abundance and manifesting our dreams into reality and vocalizing our dreams and working with the spirits and seeking approval from the spirits to kind of um, give us the encouragement and the support that we need to just to create our visions into reality. It blows me away still. I mean, I don't know why I'm still surprised, but how the message that's been coming to me a lot recently is that we have all these guides and these spirits and these friends who want to help, but the rule is that they can't help until we ask for help. And this is this message has come to me about three times in the last month or two. 
And so I'm practicing asking for help a little more. And so this morning I was in my practice and was just asking for some support on many levels around like one of my dear friends, my dog Sasa passed six months ago, she disappeared. And it's mm, been this sorry. process of like grieving and, and the not knowing, thank you. It's, and the big part of it is the not knowing is like, what, where did she go? What happened? Where is she? What the fuck? And, um, and this morning I, I was just asking for some support, just like, Hey, like, please just send me some, some guidance, some support in that area. And, and while I was in my session, I thought of my friend, Deborah, whose mom just passed away just just over a week ago not even and uh, and I was thinking oh, I really want to call her and just check in and see like how Deborah's doing after that experience and and I turned on my phone after my practice and there was a message from Deborah saying I don't know why but I really needed to send you this this is the mantra that my mother fell in love with as she was fate as she was heading towards her death this was the mantra that supported her in her passing it's a 40 minute long mantra but I just felt like I needed to send it to you I mean, it's just so beautiful. Ask and you shall mm -hmm. receive, right? Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah, and we have to pay attention to the signs as well, you know. Mm. I feel like um, when we're on this path of self-healing and spirituality and there are signs all around us in nature, uh, the universe is always speaking to us and it's just about um, tuning into that frequency to being open to receiving and paying attention to the signs and really sitting with them and feeling into our heart. So. The fact that you received that gift is probably a, a sign of how open you are to receiving. Mm. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, yeah, it's beautiful to, to feel like I'm supported. I think that's part of my shadow is this feeling of aloneness. And I, I don't think I'm alone in that shadow, but, which is funny, but I do, it's, I can only speak for myself that there's the sense of like, I'm alone and I've been left alone and I'm abandoned. And like, that's the shadowy voice. And so it's amazing to receive those messages. Even now, like to connect with you a year ago, I was in Lionsgate in a mushroom journey with my dog Sasa at my side. She lay just relaxed mm. at my side the entire night. And like mm. I said before, I got in that journey, I didn't know it was Lionsgate. And I got a, a vision of a, of a beautiful uh, flower of life with a lion's face imprinted in it. And only afterwards, speaking with my beloved Carly, who was sitting for me, I was like, wow, this is, oh, I don't usually see such distinct visions like that. It was very specific. And she said, you know, it's Lionsgate tonight. So here we are a year later, and you've just sat with the sacred mushrooms on Lionsgate. I mean, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I have a floral life tattoo in my back as well. <laughs> Amazing. So what, what is the, I mean, you mentioned as well that lion, the, the flower of life is a special one for you. I'd love to hear a little more about that. Yeah, I just think um, um, for, since 2012, um, which is around the time when I, I started my first conscious business, if you like, and I became aware of sacred geometry. This is long before I encountered ayahuasca or mushrooms or any kind of psychedelic. I just deeply resonated with sacred geometry for whatever reason. And um, the time I was getting different tattoos made and I chose to get all these different sacred geometric symbols on my body. And it wasn't until like seven or eight years later when I did my first ayahuasca ceremony that I really understood the sacredness and the relevance of these symbols. And I was looking at my body and I was like, wow, it's as if my higher self has been guiding me this whole time, you know. And I actually even imprinted these symbols on my body, you know, which is a really sacred act in itself. And these symbols ever since have just been really guiding me. I, I look at these symbols, Metatron's cube, the flower of life, the seed of life, all these different shapes that are ancient. 
um, probably like you know our universal symbols. And um, when we look at these symbols and we study these symbols and we work with these symbols, there's a real deep knowledge, uh, um, infinite information in these symbols, you know, and we just have to pay attention to them and really understand them. And I like to draw them. I like to write them. I like to listen to music and just observe them. And I always have symbols around my house. And I feel like these symbols are like portals or gateways to other dimensions, if you want to call it that. And um, it's just a, a real... Um, education working with these sacred symbols and just observing them and being with them and trying to understand them and honor them and yeah sacred geometry is very dear to my heart um, it's they call it the math of god you know like the fibonacci spiral and the golden ratio and all these things and the more we study nature the more we study the universe but the more we study our inner verse psychedelics the more these symbols become more and more prevalent so it's just like i have a deep interest in, in the sacred science of spirituality and i think sacred geometry is a big part of that well, okay, so I have two questions, but I'm going to ask, the first is, so clearly you are on a deep spiritual path and you have been for quite a long time. And I'm this podcast for me, We Are Already Free, is just a support and an invitation and a reminder to all those who are currently waking up in this time and often feeling quite overwhelmed and confused and isolated and so just to offer support to those who might be really at the beginning of that journey where they've maybe tried their best to fit within the constructs of the society that we were born into and are now realizing that that is crumbling, that that's, they can't do that anymore. And I'm wondering if you might share a little bit of how that happened for you when you needed to start stepping into something different, something expanded and, and what that looked like and what you would advise for others who are maybe just entering that journey. Thank you, yeah. So um, this path really f found me, you know. Um, I created a conscious social media kind of uh, page uh, in 2012. And ever since then, I guess I was just self-educating, uh, self-learning, understanding spirituality, quantum physics, nature, and all this stuff. And then over the course of those years, I attracted the attention of um, different uh, retreats like uh, there's a retreat here in Costa Rica that emailed me they liked what I did and they invited me to do ayahuasca and ever since then it's been a series of invitations you know from the universe I haven't really seeked it out at any point you know it's always been seeking me and I guess when I first um, did some research on ayahuasca and I made the journey to Costa Rica to work with plant medicine um, I was really coming in like a baby, like a child, like I had no idea what I was getting into. I just knew that there was a calling. I felt it in my heart. I was listening to people like Alan Watts and Terence McKenna. I used to watch the Joe Rogan Pass quite often, the podcast very often, and I would see people talking about DMT and mushrooms and ayahuasca. And so I was very interested by all this um, spirituality and the other realms, but I really, nothing, nothing could have prepared me for what was to come. As I, and I'm thinking anyone that does any plant medicine for the first time says the same. But now, now that I have this hindsight, and I often meet people that are at the beginning of their path, and I guess there, there's some tips I would give them, you know. And um, one of the biggest ones for me is um, the words trust and the words surrender, and also the word breathe. Um, <clears throat> quite often when we're in these in these um, altered states or when we're working with spiritual plant medicines and plant spirits, um, or we can go into, our nervous system can go into uh, shock or we can often resist whatever's coming up. And it's in this resistance where there's deep uncomfortableness and it can often cause a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. So to limit that, for me, it's a case of um, 
the more we can trust, the more we accept, the more we surrender, and also the more we use our breath as a tool just to find stability and harmony, this is going to give us the um, permission, if you like, to navigate this way, that these realms in a, in a kind of graceful way, if you like. Um, so I guess like just trusting, accepting, surrendering, paying attention to the signs as well. Like if you're feeling called to this path, there's a deep reason for that. There's not many people, I think, on the planet that um, are equipped to deal with a deep spiritual path. I feel like um, um, for some people, they might do plant medicine once and never again, you know, or people might do it very occasionally, like once every few years. And for other people, uh, once they do this, it's like a deep calling and they feel the need to really embark on this path and dive deep. And for those people, um, there's a long road ahead, you know, and it's just a case of trusting, of surrendering. And there's a lot of shedding the skin that goes on. A lot of people have this idea that ayahuasca or magic mushrooms is going to heal you and fix you. And I would say that that's a myth. That's um, a complete myth, you know. When you go to these plant spirits, um, what it's doing is allowing you to see yourself more clearly, giving you more awareness. And this can often be very unpleasant. Often you may have heard the words, the dark night of the soul, you know. Um, I, um, I've been doing plant medicine for three and a half years, and I would say the first two years were extremely difficult, you know. Lots of shedding of the skin, lots of uh, obstacles to overcome, lots of challenges, lots of difficulties. And it's as if the plant spirits are testing you to make sure that you really have the, the tools and the determination to stay on this path, because this is a path of being in service to others, you know, of not the service to self, it's a service to others. And to do this, you really need to be willing to look at yourself, to look at your own shadows, to release all the stuff that hasn't been serving you your entire life. And this involves a lot of deconditioning and a lot of unlearning. And from the minute we are born, we are conditioned and we're given a name. Most of us are given a religion. Most of us are told how to eat, how to live. And we just accept this as truth because our parents, our teachers, our, our society tells us this. And it's often in the teenage years where you'll find, they call it the rebellious teenage phase, because a lot of teenagers recognize something doesn't feel right with society, something doesn't feel right with what they're being taught, so they rebel. But what happens is we get drummed in so, so deeply by society, by, by marketing, by culture, by branding, by social media, that most people end up conforming to society. We have to get jobs, we have to pay, we have to live. You have to survive, you know. But some of us keep listening to this little voice and we follow this path. And I guess it's just about um, reconnecting to your inner child in a way and remembering that magic is real, that there are spirits out there. And just trusting that process for me is a big one, just having deep trust, you know. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's interesting because what you're saying around surrender, trust, breath are all things that can be applied outside of ceremony. And in fact, I would recommend that people start applying them outside of ceremony if if they're feeling called to ceremony, like because it, it's nice to have something to like the first time I was with ayahuasca and I feel like you might have a similar story. Like I was not prepared. I had no context for, like i i mean i'd experimented a little bit with psychedelics as a youth just for fun like many years before but my first i mean i went like i just had no no breath no sur i couldn't even surrender there was nothing to surrender there was no no me left like it was just it was brutal and but in a good way like i mean i'm still here and i'm i'm grateful for the journey but i definitely think that it can be that practicing now like 
gentle breath work or surrender trust practices, gratitude, et cetera, can help someone to kind of prepare for it, even though there's no way to fully prepare. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's like um, our nervous systems, you know, are, are not designed to cope with psychedelics because we're not accustomed to that, those realms. And um, I guess the, the breath is a beautiful tool to balance your nervous system, you know. So you, like you say, if mm. you can practice deep breathing, connecting to nature, meditation is a great practice as well, just to calm your nerves so that when you do enter these realms, you're able to navigate them with more grace, with more awareness, to be more still, to be more present. I think presence is a big one for me. It's the one thing, I guess, that over the last three years has become more and more prevalent. Um, it's become more and more important to me to cultivate presence because I recognize how important that is for all of us just to exist as a beneficial presence on the planet. We need to manage our own emotions, to manage our own nervous system, to regain sovereignty over our mind, our body and our spirit, you know, and it's not an easy task because it's, for me, it was like 36 or 37 years of unlearning I had to do to enter into this new world and took a lot of um, deep work and deep releasing, lots of purging, lots of crying, lots of vomiting over many years, over many ceremonies to get to the stage where I am now, where, where I feel I'm able to show up in, in these kind of places and not only show up for myself, but be able to hold space for others, you know, but that, that came about through, I guess, just a, a willingness to show up as well, you know. Um, well, for me, I always just encourage people that I speak to just to show up. If you can show up, if you can have the courage to turn up at these ceremonies or if you're looking for a, some kind of personal growth or spiritual growth to get that coach, to do that breathwork session, to go to that yoga class, to book that ayahuasca retreat, whatever it is, if you can just do that work to show up and then all you have to do after that is really just surrender. That's the, the hard part is just getting there. Once you're there, you just need to get out of your own way you know, and let the spirits do their work. So I guess it's just that um, those words showing up, I, I use them every week in my men's circle that I run, is I, I just honor the brothers for showing up. I say thank you for showing up because the fact that you're here, now all you have to do is lie back and relax and enjoy the enjoy the evening and enjoy the ceremony and surrender, you know, and connect. And um, yeah, so showing up is a big one for me as well. So I wanted to check in around this sacred men's circle. Um, it's something I'm just very interested in. So could you share a little more about what men's work means for you and what it means for you to be a men's work facilitator. Sure. So um, around a little over a year ago, um, you know, I was doing lots of ayahuasca ceremonies, working in service, and I um, saw a deep lack of integration, you know, in people that were going to ceremonies and traveling from all over the world, coming to Costa Rica, and then going back home again and entering back into the rat race. And I felt like um, for me personally, just creating a space where brothers can come together to share and to integrate the plant medicine journeys would be a beautiful act of service. It's almost like a spiritual payment. And it was also um, uh, a form of discipline for me to give myself a spiritual practice every week where I create this space and it's uh, allowing me to show up for myself, um, to connect to spirit, to do breath work, to connect to brothers. And even on some weeks, there would be very few weeks when nobody would turn up. And I would be there myself, but I would use the opportunity to sit with myself, to to work with plant spirits, and just to connect. And I made I made a firm commitment to spirit, to myself. That I'm going to do this every week, and um, by doing so every week, by employing that level of self discipline, and for me, self discipline is another word for self love. So by loving myself so much, by doing this circle for myself every week. I, I recognized I was becoming my own conscious leader. And then as more brothers showed up every week and connected every week, 
they were becoming their own conscious leaders as well. And so we called this circle the Conscious Leader Sacred Men Circle because it's all about men stepping into their power, becoming their own conscious leaders and elevating one another and standing standing together. But uh, as individuals, you know, and it was a lot about, um, for me, initially it started off as just sharing, just a talking circle. So we'd be in a circle, we'd, we'd um, lower the lights, light some files, uh, fires, honour the spirits, and then we'd just start talking. We'd have a talking stick and then over the months uh, it started to evolve as my spiritual practice improved. I started to serve uh, sacred tobacco, happy or rapi they call it. I started to serve this and I started to serve cacao. And then I also became a breathwork facilitator as well. So we came up, we started employing these healing modalities and spirits started to come and visit us in these sacred circles. And we would connect to our ancestors, we'd connect to spirits, we'd have deep wisdom, wisdom, channeled music, channeled sharing. There'd be tears, there'd be joy, there'd be connection, physical touch, just like brothers hugging one another, feeling supported by each other, deep releasing, deep connection. And we realized that, wow, we're really onto something here, you know, and um, it's just been beautiful um, to be part of a circle where we can feel supported as part of a conscious community, you know, because I feel for um, hundreds of thousands of years, if not millions of years, humans existed in small tribes and small communities. And this is how we functioned, you know. This is why addictions or prostitution maybe weren't such a thing when we had tribes because we'd all support one another, you know. If people in the tribe were lacking or if there was a single woman with children, There'd always be support and care and love, or if somebody was disabled or less able, there'd always be people around to support. And it feels like um, in alignment with the Industrial Revolution, as capitalism and corporatism takes over the planet, this community feeling has kind of diminished. You know, you can have a you can have like five million people living in a city, and it can be the loneliest place in the world. You know, so I feel like this is uh, these circles were just a way to remember who we are, to honor our ancestors, and remember how they for thousands and thousands of years, um, sat around fires and told stories and shared and played music in much of the same way that we are doing. So it's just about remembering who we are, remembering our past and honouring our ancestors as well. Because when I think about my mother and what she sacrificed for me to be alive, just going through the pregnancy, raising me as a child, and then I think about her mother that did the same for her. And then I realise that there's a long chain of women that might extend back thousands of generations of survivors that had to survive so me and you can be here to thrive, to live and to enjoy. And this circle is a real opportunity for us just to, to give thanks and to pay respect to those that came before us and then to also turn our life of an act of service as a way of giving back, as a way of respecting nature because not only our mothers, not only the fathers that came before us, but also nature that's held all of us in the past, the the trees that provide oxygen, the water that sustains us, the sun, the earth, all the elements, mm. all this is a, is a gift, you know, from God, if you want to call it, or source. And we often forget this, you know. One of the Taitas, uh, his name is Taita Gabriel, that I work with from Colombia, he's a shaman. And he often says, like, imagine if somebody gave you the greatest gift, like a bag of $10 million, yeah? He says, imagine how grateful you would feel for receiving this gift, you know, or someone buys you a private jet. He goes, think how grateful you would be. You'd be brought to tears with gratitude. He goes, well, imagine you didn't have trees to breathe. You would not be able to receive that gift. So why are you not equally grateful for the trees? Why are you not equally grateful for your breath? Why are you not equally grateful for life? Because without life, you could not receive this gift. You know, when we play with our children or make love to our wives or whatever, um, we're so happy and so blissful, but we forget that we could not receive this if we did not, if we did not have life. 
So it's like the sacred art of living is to remember, is to live from a frequency of gratitude. We are always receiving, even since the beginning of this this podcast, we've been receiving abundance, you know. And we're having breath, I'm, I'm sipping on tea, I have Palo Santo, I have sage. We have access to this magical wand that we call a mobile phone that gives us ability to communicate across countries, you know and really connect there's abundance all around us we're receiving i can hear the birds in the background i can see the sun shining everything is giving and it's just about remembering that we're always receiving but humans have a funny way of blocking ourselves from receiving we forget that we're receiving all the time and we enter into this mindset of lack which is a lot to do with conditioning of society that we're not enough we're looking at social media, we're seeing people that have more cars, more money, um, and we're thinking, oh, we don't have enough. We're looking at celebrities and we're idolizing them. Um, and we're forgetting that, hang on a second, that you are the center of your own universe and and your what happens in your life really matters and your interactions with people really matter and how you go about your day and the small things that you do really matter and spirits as much with you as we is with anyone on the planet, you know, and we're all connected and it's just about connecting to our intuition, connecting to our inner verse, you know, and um, understanding that everything that we need is here within us right now. And we don't need to seek validation or acceptance externally. We only need to look inside and remember that we already have everything that we need. So this men's circle, to come back to your question, is a way for me of deep remembering. And that's really, to put it in a very simple way, it's just a way to remember. Yeah, that's just a lot of beauty right there, brother. I'm just taking a moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Take your time. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how there's this remembrance that that you're it, that I'm it, and that remembrance happens in connection with other. So there's this beautiful interplay between realizing I'm it and I realize I'm it when I'm realize that with others i mean isn't that a beautiful Mm. poetic setup yeah (laughs) beautiful can i share something with you please so i I follow um i don't know if you've heard of um um the law of one um the book of ra but um there's an ancient egyptian god that's often worshipped and um in the egyptian times they say that there were higher beings that came to earth and lived among us and and then for whatever reason they left, but they're still connected to us. And there's a, a body of work where this God came back and he channeled wisdom through these uh, people that were channeling, channelers or deep in meditation. And this spirit came to them and three people wrote this book. But anyway, the point I'm saying is um, he talks about uh, human connection and how God created um, the universe to know himself, you know, to, he created creation so that he can know himself, which we spoke about the flower of life, you know, so the flower of life, originally there was nothing, and then there was, um, we say nothing, but we also can say infinity at the same time, nothing and everything is the same, you know, and it was like a point of consciousness was created, and the most optimal way of knowing yourself is to create a sphere around you, which is why all the planets are circular spheres, because this is the most optimal shape, and then this circle all of a sudden split into two, and this created, you know, the Vesca Pisces. And then this kept going on and on until the flower, seed of life, the fruit of life, the flower of life. And then from here, creation started, you know. And the point I'm trying to make is um, we all have a little bit of God within us. So, for example, if you have a wife and you love your wife deeply and you're in the, in the throes of making love and you're in ecstasy and in these moments, this is, this is a heightened state of consciousness where it's like God is seeing God. You can feel nothing else but love and gratitude. 
um, in that moment. And it's like the highest expression of God. Equally, when I look at my son's eyes, when I, when, I, when I sit with you right now, I recognize that on a deeper level, this is God speaking to God. So when I can really connect to you and when I can have nothing but love and compassion for you, and you can have the same for me and there's no judgment there, and then I see, I see um, almost myself reflected back at me in your eyes. So there's a famous poet called Rumi, and there's a beautiful poem that he says, as um, there was a man, a farmer, who was given a beautiful life. He was, had abundance his whole life. He had family his whole life, animals his whole life. All his children got married. He had grandchildren, and he had a great life, and he died peacefully in his sleep. And he, he died, and he went to God. And he said to God, like, I don't understand. Like, you're giving me a beautiful life. I had an amazing wife. I had beautiful children. I had abundance all my life. And now I'm going to die. And now I'm dead. And I'm in heaven. And now I'm going to have eternity in heaven. Like, what's the catch? And God said to him that when I created you, I created you out of mud. And now I look at you and you're back at me. And I look at you and I see my own reflection in you because that's how pure you are. And that's the greatest gift you can give God because God is everything. So there's nothing else we can give God other than allowing him to see himself in us. So this is why the beauty, this is the beauty of connection. So when people connect in a deep level, like we do in the men's circles, like we do in ceremonies, like we do with one-to-one work and intimacy work and tantra and all this stuff, we're actually seeing, we're elevating one another. So I'm seeing you and you're elevating me and you're seeing me and I'm elevating you. And this is like a, 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 a deep moment of awareness of like, ah, we're just, we're all one. You said earlier around you, the feeling of being alone. I look at the word alone, and there's an etymology to this word. It's, if you separate al and one, it's all one. You know, there's, there's no such thing as alone. It's actually a myth. We're never alone. We always have our spirit guides. When you're thinking, your thought comes from somewhere. So where does that thought come from? You're never really alone, you know? And um, yeah, I guess, I guess it's just understanding that when we look at people... Um, it's our ability to see God in everybody and everything, even people that we, we say evil exists, yeah? But in my, in, my, in my understanding, working in plant medicine, there is no such thing as evil. There's only a spectrum of light, and there's darkness and light, but it's all a spectrum of light at the end of the day. And, and if we weren't able to observe the entire spectrum, we wouldn't understand it. If we don't understand the darkness, we don't understand the light. There can be no light without darkness, so it's just acceptance, like we mentioned earlier, acceptance, having compassion, having love, being able to forgive all those that came before us, being able to have compassion for even those that continue to harm us or having compassion for even those that are not, you know, we feel they're not serving the planet. But who are we to say they're not serving the planet? Some of our greatest teachers are the people that cause the most pain in our life because they're our biggest teachers. And who's to say they're not higher beings from the sixth dimension that are sent here to teach us? So I, I choose to honor everyone and everything and ex- every experience I have in my life. I ask myself one question, and what is the question is, what do I learn from this? And if we can apply that question to everything in our life, then I feel this is a very powerful tool to transmute any energy and to reclaim our power. What do I learn from this? You know, If someone harms me, if someone loves me, if someone neglects me, if someone ignores me, if somebody does anything, what do I learn from this? And by me doing this, I'm stepping into my power. And I'm, and I'm not allowing anyone to deplete me. I'm learning always. And this is, Earth for me is a school that we chose to come to. And we're learning. And the more we learn, the more we're stepping into our power. And I feel like at some point through evolution, we'll graduate until we can enter into our light bodies and just exist in the spiritual realms. But I do believe that we come back many, many times um, to undo karma um, that from past lives, from this life. And it's up to us to end the karma. 
And we do this by releasing all that stuff that no longer serves us and just um, being present and accepting and um, having compassion. And then once we can reach this state of mind, what I find is I'm able to balance my emotions so much better than I ever used to. Things fall down around me. I come back to my breath. I use my spiritual tools. I connect to my spirit guides. I connect to my ancestors and I ask for, I ask for guidance. I ask to remember my strength. I don't pray for strength. I pray to remember how strong I am because there's a difference. If I pray for something, it means I lack it. So those prayers aren't really heard. But if I pray to remember my own strength and then take action on that prayer, then the guides and spirit supports us when we support ourselves. I feel like I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah. I also want to show something to you as well. This is my bottle right in front of me. So as we were speaking, I had the flower of life staring at me. I just noticed that. (laughs) The flower of life is definitely present in this conversation. That's beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, man. Well, geez, I was a fantastic tangent. I I really I deeply resonate with with everything that you're sharing, and it you know there's an interesting one around the transformational journey which I've been thinking about a lot recently, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. But you know we often talk about the state of like you're saying if we keep practicing and and cleanse our karma like however many generations however long it takes we'll eventually be spiritual beings, and the the the, the interesting thing I find is that because we are as you said like nothing is everything infinity so Mm -hmm. we are in an infinite universe which is impossible and yet it is what it is which is beautiful like the paradox of existence is that it's impossible but it's here Mm. um and um, i guess my i'll use a story because it's easier for me to tell that way but basically the story of the caterpillar and the butterfly and anyone who's been listening to the podcast for a few episodes will have heard this one before because it's i just thought of it recently and it's one of my favorite like new ways of thinking about things because I realized, and the, the cover of this podcast is a butterfly like this. So it's definitely, I, I connect to that beautiful image and that representation. And what I realized was that every butterfly lays eggs and then dies at some point. And then those eggs become caterpillars and those caterpillars, event, they eat a lot. They actually devour, they destroy a lot in their growth as they feed themselves whatever they need to grow. And then they make their cocoon and then they have to dissolve completely. They have their own dark night of the soul where they dissolve into caterpillar mush before again, there's, an, there's a butterfly. But I guess the story for me is interesting in that every stage of that is necessary and is as valid as every other stage and is in fact infinite. It will continue. And so I'm just curious, I feel like it's a useful perspective to have in in the spiritual world of like, where everyone's talking about ascending and enlightenment and all these things like, okay, well, you'll be enlightened for as long as you like, and then you'll lay an egg. <laughs> mm. And then and then there'll be another caterpillar. So I, what do you think about that? No, I love that. Um, yeah, like a, I'm... I'm immediately um, receiving the download that there was a Taita who's now passed, but he was 108 years old and he'd been drinking his entire life, ayahuasca, you know? And after 100, people are like asking him the question, like, why do you still drink medicine? You know, you must have done tens of thousands of ceremonies. And he says, because the healing never stops, you know? There's always new stuff that we take on. Like, uh, there's always growth. There's always room for for understanding, for awareness. There's a, it's like... um a deep mystery life is a deep mystery and there's no there's no like as humans um we often seek the answers from our mind you know like trying to understand everything so we can feel safe 
But it's accepting that we, as a wise man once said nothing, I think that's a famous quote by somebody like Socrates, you know. <laughs> it's like by just accepting that we know nothing, you know, and then from this space, just being humble and recognizing that the path never ends, you know. If anything, the more we are on this path, it's the more awareness we have, then the more we, the more we can start to heal ancestral wounds, um, generational trauma, we can connect to our cosmic ancestors. It's never ending. The growth is never ending. We're always shedding skin. Just when we think we've, We've nailed it and we've healed and we've, we've grown. And then all of a sudden it's like the universe just confronts you again with another deep truth and more work to be done. And the work never really ends, you know. And that for me is what's really appealing about this path for me. It's the ultimate adventure. It's the ultimate path of knowing that there is no path almost, you know. It's <laughs> yeah. like just be, being deeply present and accepting. And I guess that's why meditation is such a powerful tool because in, in those deep meditative practices, we empty our mind, we empty our thoughts, and we just connect to spirit we connect to oneness we connect to the universe and it's in there that we just melt into this nothingness and we become everything and nothing at the same time and it's like this is just going to continue forever you know we're infinite beings and we're on this cycle and it's just going to keep creating keep reproducing never ending even the universe as far as my understanding goes it just keeps growing and then eventually it will implode in itself and then it will grow again and maybe we've had this conversation infinite times already <laughs> like who, who knows you know so it's just accepting yeah. this and being humble in this that there's some things we don't know there's some things we're not meant to know but what we can do is just have a deep presence and a deep acceptance and deep faith if you want to call it that you know and faith is a, a deep powerful word for me it's accepting everything like you said the dark i said earlier the darkness and the light you know it's all one mm -hmm. so we can't be ascended masters in the light if we don't accept the darkness and be willing to look at the shadows and be able to navigate those shadows and those dark places you know so yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a, um, always shedding the skin, you know. Every ceremony that we do, we're coming in a different person because each time we're changing. So every ceremony is a new version of us. Every day is a new version of us, you know. Like even the version of you in a year from now will have different hair, will have different skin. You know, your body will shift, your body will change. We're constantly changing, constantly shifting. Like you mentioned, the caterpillar and the butterfly. Humans aren't the same. Like, I don't look the same as I did five years ago. I don't look the same as I did a year ago. I'm changing all, all the time. My mannerisms are changing. The way I communicate is changing. I'm learning different things every day. We're always changing. We're never the same. And I, I guess nature is that as well. Nature is never stagnant. If something in nature becomes stagnant, it dies. You know, like if you look at water and it's stagnant, it becomes a form of disease. So rivers that mm. flow birds that fly, animals that eat one another and consume and plants that grow. It's always moving, always changing, always dying, always being reborn. And this is what humans, I guess, need to face is that we are nature and we're going to die as well. And it's that impermanence of life, I feel, that makes life beautiful. Can you imagine if we thought we were never going to die? You know, like if, if we knew we were never going to die and living on earth for eternity, like what kind of existence that would be? It's, it's annoying that we're not going to be here. That makes us appreciate every moment that allows us to cultivate presence that that encourages us to grow to move forward you know we only have maybe 100 years at best you know so if we had 10,000 imagine how differently we would live you know so i guess it's just remembering the impermanence of life that we're and applying that to the that's the macroverse but applying that to the microverse like every day is different every day is new challenges every day is new healing new opportunities so yeah <laughs> yeah well it's interesting because i feel like that relates to how our society is trying to play a finite game. It's trying to play its own infinite game, but not the way the game actually works. So what I mean by that is that we have corporations and identities and egos and structures that our society is trying to make infinite. 
but that's not how infinity works. Like, so it's like, well, if we just build this corporation big enough and if we eat enough, if we take enough and get enough power or attention or whatever the, the currency is that's being traded, then we'll be immortal. Then we can live forever. And it's, it's such a, it's, it doesn't, that's not how the infinite game works. It just simply isn't. So, and yet we see the results within our current societal consciousness that is now quite rapidly delaminating um, for very good reasons. Mm, yeah, I resonate with all of that. Yeah, for sure. And how, how do you, because you're giving so much to what you, being the change you want to see, basically, mm. which is such a simple and beautiful saying. And it's interesting because a lot of people think Gandhi said it, but actually it's not attributed to Gandhi. No one, I haven't found a source for it, but it's a, whoever, it's, it's, it's a truth. It's a thing. Be the change you want to see in the world. And yet one of the things I witness, I'm just thinking how to, what is it that I'm wanting to say here? But basically, I think you actually said it earlier now that I think of it. It's basically, I focus on myself so that when I, as I heal, I have more spaciousness to then serve others. And that's mm. actually the cycle. It's mm -hmm. not I focus on myself because I want to keep taking, which is what I've done at times and do at times because of feelings of lack. That's mm. the actual dis-ease. Mm -hmm. But it's no, I'm focusing on, I'm prioritizing my inner work, my healing, my showing up, my, as you say, the showing up and the surrendering, because through that, I am given what I need to show up more in the world. I have those calls then to be of service out in the world. And that's the natural route it needs to take. Mm. I love myself so I can love my neighbor. Does mm. that make, is that? Yeah, completely true. I mean, um, it, it reminds me of uh, like sh shamanism. Sh shamanism has been around like long before religion, you know, it's, it's how humans connected to spirit for, for all of known history, you know? And uh, when I ask myself, what is a shaman? A shaman is not somebody that heals others. A shaman is merely somebody that has healed himself so much so where he's able to create spaces where others can do the same for themselves. So in a way, we're all, we're all our own shaman. Some of us, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to serve ayahuasca or serve mushrooms to people. Being a shaman can be anything. Um, a mother can be a shaman, an entrepreneur can be a shaman, a musician can be a shaman. All you are is your own healer. And I guess by becoming your own healer, you're able to, like you would say, hold space for yourself. So when I can hold space for myself, for example, I have children, you know, so when they see me not being led by emotions, not losing my temper, by being in harmony, when they see my energy and they see me overcoming obstacles with integrity, with grace, they feed off this energy. And this gives them the ability to hold space for themselves as well. And this is the greatest gift that we can give to people around us is by our ability to look after ourselves, you know. And no, nobody, we're on this planet alone at the end of the day. We are in these bodies. We have to go through life in these bodies by ourselves. And often we can um, forget and we can externalize the whole world. And we need medication, we need doctors, we need teachers, we need gurus. And in the end, like this is all just a distraction from the truth that everything you need is within you already. And it's just about tapping into that and understanding that it's not selfish. Self-love is not a selfish act. You know, it's um, people can get misconstrued because in the 3D world, you know, like um, making money and doing things can be deemed as a selfish act. And to some extent that is. But in the spiritual realms, when we're being selfish in terms of spiritual practice, looking after ourselves, being mindful of what we eat, taking our time, protecting our energy, being careful with who we share our energy with, um, being alone in nature. This is not selfish. This is um, self-love, which is a big difference, you know. And 
from this act of self-love, I'm able to live a life of being in service to others. So it's the ultimate act of selflessness, really, is by loving yourself so much. So yeah, it really resonates. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Because one of the things I notice right now that's an interesting, it's almost like a sneaky weapon. I don't know if that's the right word. Sneaky distraction is that the, like social media and the media in general is constantly calling for me and for the individual to be enraged about something out there and to take act, to go out there and f like shout at someone else who, who doesn't understand how important this thing is. And I could hashtag a thousand hashtags that, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think it's necessary to give examples, but like it's that sense of any of those people, any of us, me, when I feel that urge to go out there and change something out there, Am I willing to sit with the discomfort of visiting that thing in myself? Mm -hmm. And and that's like an interesting shift. And that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. That's beautiful. Of course. I, yeah, I, I used to run an online business and I had millions of followers on Facebook. It was called Educate, Inspire, Change. And the tagline was educate yourself, inspire others, change the world. And um, over, over the years, this evolved from me sharing information about what's going wrong in the world, like exposing uh, child poverty, exposing war crimes, exposing corrupt politicians and corrupt pharmaceutical businesses. And I would often, um, it would, I would receive a lot of attention, but people would in the end feel helpless because what can they do? Um, it's very hard to battle the systems in society, like the prison system, the, the military system, the education system. And I, re I recognized that what I was doing was almost feeding the fear I was adding to the problem. Yes, I was. my intentions were good and I was raising awareness and I was educating, which is a very important part of life. But on a deeper level, almost what I was doing was I was feeding the fear and I understood that the way we can transmit this energy is we can only control what happens within ourselves, you know, so we can control what we eat, how we, what we consume, the media that we consume, the food that we consume, how we live our life. And so when we can reclaim sovereignty over our mind, our, our body and our spirit, and automatically our reality starts to shift. And we start to attract the right people, the good energies, the ceremonies, the conscious community. And if more people started to do this, started to look at inwards and look at themselves, then it's almost like we stop paying attention to what's going wrong in the world and we start to pay attention to the love within us. And by not paying attention, we start to it starts to lose its power. So if, if everybody started doing ceremonies and healing and personal development and spiritual growth tomorrow, all of a sudden, all these institutions would collapse because they're not being given attention anymore. You know, when I, when I think about taxpayers in the country and it's like 99.9% .9 of the population are paying tax and 0.1% of the population are billionaires that are not paying tax, you know? And I think about if those 99.9% .9 just decided to stop, everything, everything falls apart, you know? And, and we become decentralized and we become sovereign again. But it's just people don't have that awareness. So I guess it's just having that awareness of how powerful we are, reclaiming our power and reclaiming our sovereignty that's going to be key to solving the world's problems. So before we before we part ways, there's just a few more things I'd like to ask. And, and this podcast is obviously called We Are Already Free. And for context, that came from a poem I wrote called We Are Already Free, which was just... When I, when this whole thing started unfolding a few years ago around pandemic and what to do and everyone has to take the medicine, otherwise you're a bad person and all the, the stories that were unfolding and, and I honor everyone for whatever their position is within it, I tried to express that for me, I think that bodily sovereignty is still critical and that no one, that we can't take that away from people no matter what our opinion is about it. Mm -hmm. And when I was first sharing about it, 
it was just creating more and more polarity, polarization. And so I stopped, but it kept this desire to speak my truth kept rising. And so eventually I started writing these long form poems. I've been a songwriter and a musician for, for many years, but this was my first time really stepping into spoken word poetry. And that poem is one of them that came out. We are already free. Hmm. And, and so that, that, that term, that, that sentence has really stayed with people and with me as a kind of a mantra of a reminder of, like you've been talking about this reminder, these reminders we, that are valuable for us to, to return to our natural state, that we are already free. And so I'd just love to hear any thoughts you have or anything that comes through for you when you think of or when you say that term, we are already free. I mean, it's a very um, beautiful statement, you know, um, and I think it comes back to me around just remembering. So when you say we're already free, um, it's just that frequency for me, like um, the highest form of thought is like love, gratitude. And in that space, that's where um, the magic is. And so when you say we are already free, it's um, accepting that everything we have is already within us. And when we can remember this, that we are our own shamans, that we are our own healers, that we are infinite beings of light, then there is a very freeing feeling that comes from this deep knowing. It's not something you can understand with the mind. It's only something that you can feel with the heart. True freedom is felt in the heart. It's not something that we can logically think about. You know, like some people say money buys you freedom. But I know many people that are very wealthy and they are not free. They're almost trapped in their own prisons, you know. So the concept of being free for me is about the journey that we take from our head to our heart. When we can start to live from the heart, we start to become free. We start to be one with nature. We start to recognize the abundances all around us. We start to recognize that we are never alone. We start to recognize that we do not exist from a place of fear. We exist only from love. We are grateful for every experience. We learn from everything. We grow from everything. And in this, there's a deep freedom. You know, so like whatever life throws at me, I, I no longer choose to be the victim. Therefore, I am free because I'm learning from everything. I'm grateful for everything. And in this, there's a freedom. Um, you could take away my house. You could take away my family. You could take away everything. But, but you cannot take away my connection to spirit. So um, I feel like even like I have uh, a ch children, you know, and, and people who love their children deeply. But there's even a feeling in me, I, I do feel like, I'm in service to others, and that makes me a better father. So I'm not a father first. I'm in service first. And as a result of doing this, I'm free to be the best version of myself. I can show up as a father, as a conscious entrepreneur, as a sacred circle leader, as a, as a space holder, because I'm accessing this freedom, you know, that, that you talk about, because I'm remembering. So for me, living from the heart is the definition of being free. Thank you so much. What a beautiful, what a beautiful sharing. And I just really honor having just met you in this conversation. Thank you for trusting to step into the space with me. And thank you for doing, for showing up for yourself, for mm. doing that beautiful work of becoming you, fully you. I love being me with you. And so thank you. It's an honor. Um, and just one final thing, which is if the beautiful listener right now, the listeners are wanting to explore you further and connect with you further, how can they best do that? Sure. Um, I have a, a few social media accounts. Um, my personal Instagram is Conscious Cash with a K, K-E-S-H. And I also have a platform that we mentioned earlier called Educate Inspire Change. We used to have three and a half million Facebook followers, but 
This is another story. That page was taken down. But uh, I still have an Instagram channel called Educate Inspire Change. There's also a podcast called Educate Inspire Change, but although I haven't used it for a while, but people can connect with me there. There's a website, educateinspirechange.org, that people can access. And I'm freely available. You can go on YouTube. I've been a part of some different ayahuasca documentaries. You can just type in Educate Inspire Change or Conscious Cash or a Cash Can on YouTube and you'll find me everywhere. Well, thank you. I, I actually heard about that story of your Facebook page and I was going to ask you about it, but it just kind of like the conversation just went in a different direction, and uh, which is, uh, it wasn't about what was, it's about what is, which I, I think was an interesting, interesting that that's what's coming through right now. So, um, yeah, but I, I feel like I, I look forward and hope that we get to have many more conversations along the path to, as you say, in service to, that was my prayer at the beginning of this, lighting my sage was just like, please just like spirit, use me and use this conversation as a way to just support those who are out there on this path who maybe are feeling alone or overwhelmed or, or looking for, for their own guidance or how do they, what do they turn to? And I feel like if anything, hearing your words today has really been an invitation mm. to turn inward. And mm. so thank you again, brother. It's been an honor. Thank you for creating this space and inviting me and for uh, seeing me the way you do. I see you too. Thank you, brother. Thank you again to the wonderful Kash Khan for his beautiful offering, his time, his presence, his medicine work. There's a beautiful saying I heard on Laura Dawn's podcast, the Psychedelic Leadership Podcast, where she got some advice from a friend at one point when she was really struggling with something. And the friend said, you know, Laura Dawn, really the only thing any of us can do is to get right with ourselves. And that's become something of a mantra for me as I notice more and more attention and intensity in the world, more and more people calling for external, we have to be upset about this, we have to focus on that, trying to point us in different directions to be angry about different things. And I'm trying to find this compass within myself of what is the stuff to give my attention to. And I realize that it's so important that I get right with myself in the deepest of ways, that I become my own medicine, my own healer, and that as my capacity for service expands, as my energy expands, my, my own ability to show up in the world expands, and so I then can take action on the things that I witness around me. Where can I be of service within my community, within my family, within the circles of those who I can directly impact and trust that if we all do that, the whole world changes overnight. It's as simple as that, and it ain't easy. So just know that I'm here with you on this journey. I'm delighted to be with you. I'm honored that we can walk this path together. You are not alone. And I just, I'm here. That's, that's really all I can say, that we are already free and I'm here and I want to serve you on this path. So please reach out. If you're enjoying this podcast, feel free to send me a voice note and you can find links and podcast notes as well, the show notes for all the links of things that Kash and I discussed and links to his work to his different pages that he mentioned at the end there. If you go to podcast.wearealreadyfree.com, you'll find everything you need. My voice is a bit tired today. I've been talking a lot. It feels like there's a lot of old energy coming up in my life at the moment. And I'm just meeting it all with as much grace as I can. I suppose that's always the invitation. It's not what is happening externally, but how do I meet what is happening? How do I approach it? Am I taking it personally? Am I making assumptions? Am I being impeccable with my word? Am I doing my best? For anyone who hasn't read The Four Agreements, highly recommend you read that book. 
It was recommended to me by my dear beloved Carly, my sweetheart, and I love that book. It's become such a good one in my life. Anyway, it's lovely to connect with you. I obviously don't know who you are or where you are or how you are. I would love to know. So please do, if you feel the urge to reach out and connect, I would love to hear more about you. If you leave a voice note asking questions or sharing what your challenges are, your triumphs, the things you're going through, I would love to serve you by sharing that on this podcast and sharing my response here. It would be an honor, in fact, to serve you in that way. And you can also use my services, book yourself a free discovery call if the urge calls you, if you'd like to see if we can do some work together, some breath work, some coaching, some songs and stories, some intuitive guiding. Uh, again, it would be an honor to be of service to you in any way, shape and form. So make sure to go to podcast.wearealreadyfree.com or just email me, nathan at wearealreadyfree.com. And the final request is, if you aren't yet, please do subscribe to this podcast. And the biggest request of all is please review this podcast. I know it may not seem like much to you. It'll take you 30 seconds, maybe a minute of your time. But really, it could be the difference between a person who could really benefit from these messages from this medicine. It could be the difference between them clicking play on that first episode or just moving right on by. You know more than more than anyone what this podcast brings into your life you know the value you felt it you hear on this journey so please if you can take a moment and leave that podcast you can just go to podcast.wearealreadyfree.com forward slash review and that'll allow you to open it in whichever apps you choose my name is nathan mainguard it is a pleasure to walk this path with you i'm gonna go rest my voice now And I hope you enjoyed Kash Khan. We have so many beautiful guests coming and I'm just so honored that I get to share these conversations with you. You beautiful, beautiful human. Crazy last fact, a wilding or a wildling is something that has escaped captivity and returned to the wild. So I think that those of us in this time who are choosing awakening, no matter how uncomfortable that can become at times, we are choosing to wake up and own our sovereignty and own the remembrance and the responsibility that we are already free. We are wildings. We are escaping captivity, returning to the wild and growing into the fullness of ourselves as we were always meant to be. So a beautiful wilding. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Blessings on the path.